There's amen. Uh, raise your hand real high if you need a lesson. They're, they're passing them out. Raise your hand real high if you need a lesson. All right. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter number 4. Revelation chapter number 4. We're going to cover these two chapters. It's just a, this is a side, uh, uh, kind of like a, a extracurricular uh, activity. Uh, 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 what, what do they call those classes you don't have to have? You just pick elective. elective. This is an elective class tonight. This is an elective class tonight. Uh, we're going to start uh, first and second Peter at the first of the year. Uh, uh, we didn't want to start when we had to ha- have a lesson and then have to stop for the holidays and then go forth. That, that, so we're going to kick that off at the first of the year. So I just picked some things that I like to talk about and uh, enjoy, have a lot of questions about. And so this is one of them. We're going to look at the scene in heaven. Uh, the scene in heaven right after the rapture of the church. How many of y'all are glad Jesus is coming soon? Amen. Amen. He is coming soon. Uh, and, and this is the scene in heaven right after the rapture takes place. Chapter 6 begins the, the activity that takes place on the earth right after the rapture takes place. And this is a great study. Uh, this is a great worship service, if you will. Uh, if you are used to a quiet worship service and you like a quiet worship service, you're going to be out of place in heaven because they get it on. Say amen. And this is going to be a great, great study tonight. So if you're with me, let's look in Revelation 4 and verse number 1. When you found your spot, say amen. After this, very important, I put, I put uh, highlights around those two words because it's very important. After this, after what? After the church age, uh, after chapters 2 and 3, the church period. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Hereafter what? Hereafter the church age. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat uh, was to look like, um, upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like in the crystal, and in the midst of the throne. And round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf. The third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a uh, flying eagle. And the four beasts, and each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy. Thrice our thrice holy God, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power Uh, Yeah, let's read that again. Let's all read that. Thou art, let's all read it. Help us now. Thou art worthy, O Lord, 
to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your your son that you sent, that we may be free. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the promise of heaven. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Now, God, we desperately need the anointing and the unction of God tonight. I pray that you'll bless us, help us, give us what we stand in need of. Touch those that are sick. Touch those that are weary. Touch those that are, uh, Lord, that are feeble tonight. Give us what we stand in need of. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I want to take verse number one. Let's start with verse number one. Uh, Revelation 4, verse number 1. I thought I had put 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 in your notes, but I guess I didn't because of the space, everything else I put there. Uh, but we're going to compare verse number 1, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, and Revelation 4, verse number 1. I believe this is a picture of the rapture of the church. Uh, you find the word church or churches 19 times uh, leading up to this particular chapter, uh, chapter number 4 in the book of Revelation. Then you do not hear of them again to Revelation 19 when the church is coming back with the Lord on a white horse in glory. Say amen. I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. I believe that we leave out before it takes place. I believe we leave out before it begins. And I'll give you a few reasons there here in our study. What is the rapture? The word rapture is not found in the Bible, but we take the word and apply the English word rapture because it means caught up. Say that with me. It means caught up. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says this, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds. Now compare that to Revelation 4.1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, a, a passageway from here to there. The first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet. What did we find in Revelation 1 that the voice of the Lord was? As a trumpet talking with me. It says, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. I believe Revelation 4.1 is the rapture of the church. We are called out. We are taken out of of, of this planet to be where he is. Now, several aspects of the rapture I want to show you tonight. First, A, if you're taking notes, write this down. The rapture is the return of the Savior. The rapture is the return of the Savior. You see, the Savior came. He is, he is called the bridegroom. He is uh, uh, the, the husband of the church, if you will. The church is the bride of Christ. In John 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, to really understand, really understand and get the magnitude of this verse, you've got to understand the Jewish wedding custom. You see, the bridegroom would go and find a a bride of his choosing, and he would go to that bride's father, and he would arrange the deal to take her as his bride. He would pay the bride price. Are y'all with me? 
He would pay whatever it cost so that she would be his bride. She had to agree to the transaction. She had to agree to be his bride. And then they were betrothed. Now, y'all remember, Joseph and Mary was betrothed. Now, in, in Jewish custom, that was just the same as being married, but they did not come together till the wedding. Now, he has come, the bridegroom has come, and has, has found a bride has paid the bride price, and now he goes and he is preparing a place, and it's usually in the, 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 the plantation, if you will, or inside the house of the father. He builds a room, a honeymoon suite, a place to take his bride. Now, now think about this. Think about this. Uh, he goes and he, he finds his bride, he pays the bride price. Then he goes and she is waiting. Now, while he goes to prepare a place for her, she is getting herself ready for the wedding. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And while he's over here preparing the place, you say, when does the, <laughs> when does the wedding take place? When he's through preparing a place. When he's got the place ready, he goes back and they blow trumpets announcing his arrival and she has to be ready. And then they come and they have a wedding. He takes her back to be in her place. John, listen, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. It, listen, if you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Why did he go to prepare a place? Because he's already come and found a bride. He's already died on Calvary and paid the bride price. He has paid the ransom to set her free. Somebody say amen. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. The rapture is the return of the Savior. He's coming again. He's coming again. Boy, that's good stuff, ain't it? Amen. I've been so jacked up since last week thinking about his return. I'm ready for him to come at any moment. Amen. The return of the Savior be. I want you to see the rapture is the rescue of the saints. It is the rescue of the saints. You got to understand. You got to understand what is fixing to take place upon this earth is the most horrific judgment ever known to mankind. It is described, it is described in the book of Revelation and other parts of the New Testament as the wrath of God or the wrath of of the Lamb. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. This is, these, these are verses why I believe in the, pre, the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Revelation 3.10. This is what God says. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Or word trials there. I will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, now watch, which delivered us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Preacher, why do you believe we're going to leave before the tribulation? The tribulation period is the wrath of God falling upon this earth, and God has not appointed us to wrath. He has came to deliver us from the wrath to come. Somebody say amen. I believe if you go to the Old Testament, I believe if you study the Old Testament, you'll find there is a man in the Bible by the name of Enoch. 
The Bible says Enoch was not for God took him. Enoch walked with God. Enoch, amen, he walked with God and was not because God took him. If you keep reading and studying your Bible just a little while after that, we find the judgment of God by way of the flood comes upon this earth. The judgment or the wrath of God comes upon this earth. And we find Noah and his family, they are in the ark of grace. They are in the ark and they are sealed in the ark. And they go through the tribulation. They go through the time of judgment. And I believe that it's a clear picture, a clear picture. Enoch is a picture of the New Testament church who will be taken out before the judgment of God comes down. And that Noah and his family is a picture of the Jewish nation who will be sealed during the time of tribulation and God will keep them safe. Listen, you say, preacher, I believe we're going through it. You can go through it if you want to, but I'm cutting out of here. Say amen. Listen, the rapture of the church is the return of the Savior. The rapture of the church, I believe, is the rescue of the saints. I believe the rapture of the church is the rewarding of the servants. The rewarding of the servants. We just read in in, in chapter 4 about the elders sitting around the throne, and we're going to talk about them and find out who they are in a minute. That's cool right there. Uh, They have crowns of gold on their heads. So something takes place. When Jesus comes, and I believe I can, I can give you Bible to tell you what that is. Romans 14, verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now the word in verse 10, the judgment seat of Christ. If you will look up the word judgment there in your, in your Strong's Concordance, it's the word bema, bema, which means platform. How many of you have ever watched the Olympics before? Anybody ever watched the Olympics? How many of you have ever seen the platform that they get upon to be uh, awarded their medal? Are you all with me? That's the same thing. That's the same thing we're looking at. One day we're going to stand at the bema judgment. We're going to stand before God and we will give account for our life. Say, preacher, are we going to stand before because of our sins? No, sir. No, sir. Thank God. That does not happen to the great white throne judgment, and that is only for the lost. I, you say, why do we not stand for our sin? Why are we not judged for our sin? Because that's exactly what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. Say amen. He was judged so we didn't have to be. So what will we be judged? What will we be judged? Our works. Our service, our deeds, what we did for God after we're saved. Here we, here we read in 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. When? When he shall appear. When he shall appear. At the rapture, we'll find the judgment seat of Christ. Revelation twenty two twelve. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. What, what we, we find in more detail in 1 Corinthians 3, 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now let me say something about that. You, you as an individual will not be awarded or rewarded according to what temple does. Now you got to get this. This is very important. 
You will not be rewarded when you stand before God for what this church does. You say, but I'm a part of this church. But if you do nothing in this church, I, I, I don't know why I'm saying this. God's just putting it on my heart. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Uh, there was a guy that would give my dad grief all the time about stuff. And and he he they were wanting to build a fellowship hall. And he gave them grief all the time. Well, everybody wanted to do it, so they went ahead and done it, and, and, and God provided the means to do it, and it was just an incredible thing. Great, great deal. It was a blessing. God provided the building. and uh, They had a special service, and a, and a visiting preacher came by, and the same guy that wouldn't do anything and didn't do nothing to give him grief walked that preacher out and said, Look what we did. Yeah. You know, I, I want to say, You got a rat in your pocket. What, what, you know, we... Now, you know, that preacher didn't know no better, but he did. Now, what's my point? My point is this. We're not going to get credit for somebody else's work. And I'm not saying that because I think some, I'm just telling you the God's fact. You will stand according to your own labor. I will not get credit for my father's labor. I will not get credit for my father's commitment. I will not get credit for my father's dedication. I'm going to stand before God for what I do and why I did it. Amen. All right. Ain't we having fun? The rapture of the church is the return of the Savior. B, it's the rescue of the saints. C, it's the rewarding of the servants. Then we find D, it's the restoration of the saved. I like this one, especially the way I feel right now. I really like this one. What's going to take place? What's going to take place at the rapture? I did a funeral this morning. <clears throat> uh, cancer is a horrible thing, isn't it? First Corinthians 15, verse 51 says this, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. And the word sleep there is in reference to death. Everybody's not going to die. Everybody's not going to experience death. Everybody's not going to taste death. There's going to be some people that are living at the time of the Lord's return, at the time of the rapture. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Say amen. Amen. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, uh, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The grave has been victorious for many, 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 many years now. People, loved ones, our ancestors have gone by the grave and the grave has been victorious. But there's coming a great getting up day when the trumpet shall sound. He's going to come back and all those in Christ that have died, all those that have gone by way of the grave, all those that have gone by way of heart attacks, all those that's gone by way of cancer, all those that's gone by way of tragic accidents, one day God is going to put their bodies all back together 
perfect, without corruption, without sin, without imperfections. One day, we're going to have a brand new body in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We'll be caught up together to be with the Lord. Somebody give him praise and glory. We shall all be changed. We shall all, preacher, what are we going to be changed like? Well, the Bible says in 1 John, it says, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when we see him, we shall be like him. Amen. Amen. The rapture of the church. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Number two. Number two. We've, we, after we have been raptured, after we have been taken up to glory, after the trumpet sounds, after he calls our name. Listen, uh, this is, this is going to be an incredible event. I mean, this is going to, it's going to happen. The Bible says he's going to come as a thief in the night when no man's looking, no man's aware. Uh, he's going to come. As in the days of Noah, the Bible says he's going to come. They wasn't paying attention. They wasn't, they wasn't looking for the flood. They were just carrying on life like it already and always had been going on. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage like it, like there was always going to be a tomorrow. And bam, gone. The rapture is going to take place. Now we leave here and we're up there. The very next verse, verse number two, and immediately, immediately I was in the spirit. I was in the throne room. I was in the throne room. Now we are here, and we see, a, we see a, a vision that's incredible. We see a description of the throne room. And as we read verse number 2, and immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. Now, as we're taking notes, write this down. First, I want you to see the person on the throne. Verse number three. The person on the throne. Sice, a Bible commentator, says this. Here we have the unnameable, indescribable God in which Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are co-substantial and the same. We find his appearance, number one. His appearance is described as, you will find many times in the book of Revelation, as of a or like unto. In other words, he is doing his very best to describe what he's seeing. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He said it looks very much like a jasper and a sardine stone. Many Bible scholars have gone deeper into study, and it's very well possible that these stones were a diamond and a ruby. Revelation 21, 11. One crystal clear, crystal clear diamond, and the other blood red. The crystal clear diamond representing glory and the blood red ruby representing sacrifice. We find his appearance. Then number two, we find his activity. We find his, this is very intriguing. This, this part right here, this is, this is real intriguing. You see, you see this throne, if you, if you read and study the tense, it is meaning it is being set. A throne is being set. Verse number three, look what it says. Or verse number two, excuse me. It says, and immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven. In other words, it was in the process of being placed, if you will. The finishing touches of this throne being put into place. And that's very significant. That's very significant because it's, it's, it's meaning that there is something changing. This is a different throne than the throne we know of in the early New Testament. You say, what is the throne that we know of in the early New Testament? Well, we know that there is a throne of grace. The Bible says, I believe, it's, I believe it's in Hebrews, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We are living in the church age. 
We are living in between chapters 2 and 3, which I believe personally we're in the very last part of chapter number 3, which is in the Laodicean church age, but it's still the age of grace. From the very time that Jesus, listen, he took his last breath on the cross, from the time that we're standing today, we've been living in the age of grace. And there has been a throne of grace from the time that that temple rent, the curtain and the veil rent in the temple from the top to the bottom where we had access to God. We no longer had to go to a priest. We no longer had to go to somebody else. We had direct access to God. We could go boldly before the throne of grace and there was grace for our failures. There was grace for our mistakes. There was grace for our sins. The Bible said where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And thank God we're in the age of grace. Thank God we're in the age of mercy. Thank God that this grace is sufficient for us. Say amen. But this throne's different. This throne's different. It's being placed for what's fixing to take place. Preacher, what's fixing to take place? Revelation 6. Revelation 6 begins the activity on this earth, and the activity is judgment. Say that with me. Come on, everybody. Say it with me. Judgment. You see, today we're living in an age of grace. Today we're living, and we can go boldly before the throne of grace, but this is a different throne. Because when the rapture takes place, the end of the age of grace takes place. And we find this is a throne of judgment. And God brings judgment upon this earth. We find the person on the throne. He's a judge. Then B, we find the pledge around the throne. Verse 3. And he sat, he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. We know the first time we find a rainbow is in Genesis 9, 13. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. We find this rainbow goes all the way around the throne and is a reminder of the pledge that God has made with mankind. He said, I will never destroy the earth again with a flood. Aren't you glad God keeps his promise? It's an eternal, it's an eternal reminder of the promise of God and the covenant of God with man. We see not only is it a reminder of a promise, but it's a representation of peace. For the Christian, the storm of life is finally over, and the sorrow will be no more. Listen, the rainbow always shows up after the storm. And for the saint, for the child of God in heaven, the storm is over. It's over. We've, we, we, two, I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we, we talked about sailing in stormy seas. We talked about storms of discipline. We talked about storms of development. Storms that other people cause in our life. Decisions that they make that causes storms to come in our life. But I'm glad to know one day all them storms will be over. We will be in the presence of God. This, this, this rainbow is a representation of peace. We'll see another, another characteristic of peace in just a moment. But I want you to see C. Not only the person on the throne, the pledge around the throne, but I want you to see the people, the people before the throne. I love this part. This is really, this is, this is a good study. The Bible says in verse 4, 
And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. The word seats there, if you, you, you look that word up, it's translated thrones. Miniature, many thrones, if you will. These seats are thrones. It says in verse, uh, verse 4, And upon these seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. These, these seats are redeemed people. They will we'll read a song that they sing in a few moments. We know these are redeemed people. We know these are reigning people by the thrones. If we read in First Chronicles chapter number 24, I think we can identify who these people are. In First Chronicles 24, we read of something very similar. 24 elders were appointed by King David to represent the entire priesthood. He divided the priest into 24 courses. In other words, teams of 24 priests would serve at a time. Do you all remember when Zacharias was in the temple when we hear the Christmas story? The Bible says he was of the course of Abiah. It was his turn to serve. Y'all with me? Y'all remember that? The Bible says he divided the priests into 24 courses, each course to serve for two weeks at a time in the temple which Solomon was to build. The same arrangement was in force when our Lord's forerunner was announced. Zacharias was of the course of Abiah, the eighth in order. Uh, the priests were many thousands in number. But they could not all come together at one time. But when the 24 elders in the temple precincts in Jerusalem served, the whole priestly house was represented. Are y'all are seeing it? Say amen. This is the explanation of the symbol here. The elders in heaven represent the whole heavenly priesthood. That is, all the redeemed who have died in the past or who shall be living at the Lord's return. The church of the present age and the Old Testament saints are alike included. All are priests. All worship. There were 12 patriarchs in Israel, and there are 12 apostles introducing the new dispensation. The two together would give the complete four and 20. In other words, in other words, the 12 apostles and the 12 patriarchs of the Old Testament. So we have 24 representing the Old Testament saints and representing the New Testament saints. In other words, it's a great possibility that me and you uh, will stand by course one day before the throne of God, worshiping and leading in worship. Somebody say amen. It, the representation of all of the saints. He has made us kings and priests upon the earth. A priest was a representative from man to God and from God to man. Are y'all with me? And we find a representation of Old Testament saints and New Testament saints put all together, worshiping God together. The Bible says in verse number 4, He saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Say amen. Now we find D. I want you to see the proceedings out of the throne. What comes forth from this throne of judgment? What comes forth from this throne of judgment? The Bible says in verse 5, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits. Lightnings, thunderings. You say, Preacher, I thought you said the storm was over. It is for the saint, but not for the sinner. This throne of judgment is being placed to bring judgment upon this earth. And the rumblings of judgment just begin to take place upon the earth after the rapture of the church. The wrath of God will begin to fall. We find the same description given in Exodus 19 and verse 16. 
It says, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. This storm, this lightning, this thunder is a storm of sentencing. God is beginning to place the sentence upon this earth. The storm of suffering is for sure a throne of judgment. A throne of judgment. Man has had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to come to God. And one day, According to the words of God, even to Noah in, in the book of Genesis, he said, man or God will not always strive with man. The word strive means to plead, to beg, to, to ask and request. God is desiring man's attention. God is desiring to pull man back, to bring man into a relationship with himself. But there will be a cutoff day. There will be a cutoff day. We see next, verse number 5 and verse number 6. Out of the throne proceeded lightning and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like in the crystal in the midst of the throne. And round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. The beasts are described as this, one as a lion, the second as a calf, the third as a a man, the face of a man, the fourth as a flying eagle. Now we see the portrayal before the throne. E, if you're taking notes, write this down. The portrayal before the throne. First, there's a portrayal of perfection. A portrayal of perfection, the seven lamps. Seven is the number of perfection. This does not mean there's seven different spirits of God. This represents the perfect spirit of God. Uh, some have described, some Bible scholars have described this as the seven characteristics of God, the, 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 the uh, faithfulness of God, if you will. But we see a portrayal of perfection in the seven lamps. We see a portrayal of peace in the sea of glass. A portrayal of peace in the sea of glass. I grew up on the ocean. I grew up on the ocean uh, most of my life. And, and, and there's been times, <clears throat> there's been times when you go out and, and the boat, literally, you thought you were going to die. I mean, the, the waves were crashing and, and, and it was just so rough and it was so difficult. I remember one time we was out fishing and, and we went to come in and it got so rough. It got so rough. We just, it, it, we really got scared. We put our life vests on and it was just, it was just horrible, scary, fearsome, fearful. And then I've gone out before, I've gone out before in the same ocean. The same ocean would be like this floor. It would be flat as this floor. And we would always say this. They would say, how do you, when they would say, well, how was the ocean today? And this is how you would describe it. It was like glass. It was so smooth. It was so peaceful. It was so calm. Today, it was like, and this is another, this is another picture of God saying to the saint, hey, It's all over. The storms, the troubles, the difficulties, the heartaches, the pain, the frustrations, the difficulties, the trials, the temptations, it's all over. The sea of glass. Then we find a portrayal of praise. These four beasts, these creatures, you say, what are are they about? The creatures reveal the relationship between the creator and the creation. 
The lion represents God's strength. The calf represents God's service, the work and the, and the service of the calf. Man uh, represents God's smartness, and that is a word, by the way, I looked it up, amen. Uh, number four, because some of y'all were questioning that I could see. Uh, number four was the eagle, and this represents God's swiftness. The relationship between creator and creation. You say, what kind of relationship is that? Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Romans 1.19 says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. How can we know God? For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. If you've ever seen a fish swim, you know there's a God. If you've ever seen a bird fly, you know there's a God. If you've ever seen a zebra or a giraffe, if you've ever seen a sunset, if you've ever seen a sunrise, you know that there's a God. You know that there is a creator listen Jesus said Jesus said to the Pharisees when he was coming in in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem uh, the people were crying out Hosanna to the king Hosanna in the highest Hosanna they were worshiping Jesus and the Pharisees came out of the temple they were in there trying to find who was riding in the town amen they were in there and they come out and said won't you make them hush do you hear what they're saying do you hear their adoration do you hear their praise he said well I tell you what if I made them hush the rocks and the trees would cry out why because even creation knows who he is listen these beasts represent the relationship between creation and creator the bible says they cry out holy 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 lord god almighty which was and is and is to come Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. His eternal, his eternal presence. His e- Listen, boy, if we could get that, if we could understand the holiness of God, it would surely change our attitude. It would change our behavior. It would change who we are and what we are because the Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy. Be ye set apart. Be ye different. Quit trying to be like the world. Quit trying to fit into this godless society. Stand out. Stand apart. Be ye holy. Say amen. Be ye holy. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. He was in our past. He is in our present, and he's already in the future. Say amen. When those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And, now watch what you're going to do with the crowns you receive, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, this is the first. Now, now you got to get this, because we're fixing to have a church service. Because this is setting the table, and when we get into chapter 5, the church service begins. Say amen. And this is the prelude song. This is the first song that's being sung, and then we're going to hear a new song. Y'all with me? I know y'all read it. I told y'all to read it. Amen. Chapter 5 says they sung a new song. Well, you can't have a new song without an old song. This is the old song. And, and the reference in the song is worthy. The word worthy. We find that first here in this particular. And, and by the way, all worship is, is worth-ship. 
You are applying to him what he is worth. Now let me ask you, how's your worship been lately? Has it been what he deserves? If in your worship you're applying what he's worth to you, how's it been lately? Because the old song, you are worthy. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. You're worthy of all the praise that we're going to give. You're worthy of all the songs we're going to sing. You're worthy of all the offerings that we're going to give. You're worthy of all the adoration and all the glory and all the credit and all the honor. You're worthy. You see, we've got this idea that that, that worship is about us coming and getting something. That's not worship. It never was worship. Worship is about coming and giving credit and glory and honor and blessing and appreciation and adoration because he's worthy. Thou art worthy. This this song. Now now you gotta understand. You gotta understand, there's no chapter, there's no chapter divisions in the Bible. This was placed by the translators to help us memorize and read it and study it. Are y'all with me? So we go right out of chapter 4 into chapter 5 with no stopping. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now we see the worship service in heaven. Uh, First thing we find, first thing we find, well, before we get to the new song, the Bible says in verse 11 of chapter 4, you're worthy because you created us. He's first worthy. He's first worthy because he's the creator. In other words, what that tells me is whether you're saved or lost, you owe him. Now, we're going to get to the new song which talks about redemption and salvation, but, 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 but that's, that's, we're, we're, we're twice owing him. But even if you're here today and you're not saved, you still owe him. He formed man out of the dust of the ground. He breathed into man the breath of life and he became a living soul. He made you. He is the creator. We are the potter and he is the clay. We are the sheep of his pasture. Are y'all with me? He's worthy. He deserves honor. He deserves praise. He deserves dedication. He deserves commitment. Listen, this society of Christians today that's so caught up with convenience and don't care about sacrifice or suffering, they have no idea who he really is. He's worthy because he made us. Whether you're saved or not, he's worthy. Then we move into the worship service. The worship service begins. The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 5, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside seals with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Now before we go any further, let's talk about the book a minute. We find A, the scroll. 
the scroll because this book is not a book as we see it. They did not have books in that day like we see it. What John was seeing was a scroll, a rolled up scroll that's sealed. We see the scroll. Number one, redemption is the subject of this scroll. Many scholars believe that this is the title deed to the earth. This is the title deed to the earth that was lost by Adam to Satan and it has to be redeemed. You see, there are three things that can be redeemed. In in the word of God, we find a servant, a bride, and land. And in the Bible, these three things can be redeemed. A servant, a bride. In other words, if if a servant is lost or if a servant has gone uh, 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 and and taken, he can be bought back. A bride, uh, we see the story of Boaz and Ruth. Uh, Boaz, Ruth is, is uh, uh, her husband has died and Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. Boaz is a type of Jesus, say amen. Ruth is a type of the church and, and Boaz sees Ruth and wants to redeem her. Uh, she, has, she has lost the land uh, because of, uh, 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 and I don't have time to go into it, but you really need to go read Ruth. It will bless your heart uh, to see what that is. He says, I will redeem her. You, you got to understand, in order to be, in order to be a redeemer you got to have the ability to redeem you got to have the ability you have to be the right person you have to be kin you have to y'all with me you have to be kin you have to be what what preacher what are you getting at john 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. If you skip on down a few verses, you'll find out, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. as that the only begotten of the Father? His name is Emmanuel, God with us. God came down and took upon human flesh so he could be kin to us. He could become the kinsman redeemer. He is is that say amen right there he is here he became flesh and he's dwelling among us so that he could redeem us so he could pay the price of redemption which was his blood amen and he has redeemed his bride the bride of Christ now the servant and the bride is in heaven with him there's only one more thing that needs to be redeemed and that's the land I put in your notes, if you want to go and read in your notes, go and read about uh, Jeremiah and Hannah Mill, his cousin. In Jeremiah 32, I don't think I put that in your notes, but if you want to initial that, beside to go read the story, that's Jeremiah chapter number 32. You'll find out that, that Israel is about to go into bondage. Israel is about to be overtaken. And you say, why would you buy land if it's fixing to be taken by the enemy? Why would you buy land? God told Jeremiah to buy the land from his cousin. Why would you do that if it's just going to be taken by the enemy? Because one day we're coming back. Say amen. This earth was taken by the enemy. When Adam sinned in the garden, Adam was the king of the earth. Adam had domain over the earth. He said, you take and have dominion over all of the earth. But you know what? When he sinned in the garden, the devil wrested it from him, wrested the, 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 listen, the title deed of the earth. How is the Bible, how does the Bible describe the devil? He's the prince of the power of the air. Are y'all with me? He's the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4. He's the prince of this world in John 12. And listen, in Ephesians 2, he's the prince of the power of the air. But one day, 
One day, Jesus Christ is going to step forward and he's going to claim what's rightfully his and he will redeem the land back. Are y'all with me? Three things can be redeemed. A servant, a bride, and land. What's Jesus doing in this picture? What's Jesus doing in this scene that we are looking at? We are, we are standing. We are eyewitnesses of this scene. Listen, the question has been asked, who is worthy? Who has a right to take the title deed? Who has a right to claim the deed to this earth? Who has a right to claim what's there? And the Bible says that, that they cried out, and no man, key, two words, no man was found worthy. John Baptist was there. Jesus said no man has been born greater than John Baptist. He was there, but he was not worthy. David was a man after God's own heart. He was there, but he was not worthy. Adam, the first man. Solomon, the wisest man. Apostle Paul, they were there, but they were not worthy. No man was found worthy to open the book, to loose the seals thereof. And John said, I wept much because no man was found worthy. Let me tell you what you are without Christ, brokenhearted. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you're going to be like John and be brokenhearted. He said, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open the book. There'll be no man that can help you out of your problems. There'll be no man that can solve the issues in your life. There'll be no man on this planet that can fix every issue that you have. But, 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 there was, a, listen, one of the elders saith unto me, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. John says, gets all excited, and the Bible says he turns to see the lion. He he turns to see the lion and he saw a lamb as it had been slain. Say amen right there. What a vision. What a vision. What a description. What a description. We find the scroll. Then we find the Savior. The scroll, redemption is the subject. Restoration is the strategy. The whole purpose of the seven years of tribulation is to restore back and to take back what the devil stole. Then B, the Savior, the description he carries. He's described in two ways, a lion and a lamb. As the lion, he's sovereign. He prevails. As the lamb, he's the sacrifice he provides. I love this part right here. Watch this. He came as a lamb to redeem. He's coming as a lion to reclaim. The first time Jesus came to this earth, he came meek and lowly. He said, I have nowhere to lay my head. He was born in a manger, not as a king. He came the first time as a sacrifice. John saw him on the river Jordan and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He came the first time meek and lowly. He came the first time as a lamb. He came the first time as a sacrifice. He came the first time to redeem. But ladies and gentlemen, he's coming again. And he's coming to rule and he's coming to reign and he's coming not as a lamb but as a lion. He's not coming as the sacrifice. He's coming as the sovereign. He's not coming to redeem now. He's coming to reclaim. The description of the Savior. 
is incredible. Boy, I remember when I, when I fell under conviction of the Holy Ghost and I, I knelt down at the altar before the judge, before the lion. And I looked up for my punishment and all I seen was a forgiven lamb. Are y'all glad, amen? amen? The Savior. The Savior. We see his description. The description he carries. Number two, we see the deed that he claims. He walks right up. He walks right up. And he takes the, the title deed. Verse number six. No man was found worthy. But when Jesus steps forward, when Jesus steps forward in verse 6, I behold and lo, in the midst of the throne and the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. You say, why is he worthy? That was the question. That was the question. This is the question that's being asked all over this world. Who's worthy? Who's, who's really worthy of you coming out on a midweek night 38 degrees outside, sitting to hear what he has to say. Who deserves that commitment? Who's worthy of our generosity? Who's worthy of our dedication? Who's worthy of our adoration? Who's worthy of our appreciation? Who's worthy of our worship? Who's worthy? That's a good question. People are seeking and searching Who's worthy of my time? Who's worthy of my effort? That's the question. Who is worthy? We already know what the old song is. We already know he's worthy because he made us. But the Bible says they begin to sing a new song. The deed he claims. Now watch what, now watch what he says in verse, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read verse number five. We're about out of time. Help us, Lord. Verse 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath, what's that word? Everybody say it. He hath. That means he conquered. He won. He defeated. Preacher, what did he prevail over? He prevailed over sin and the devil. We know he was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He was led into the wilderness to face what me and you face every day. And the Bible says he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Everything the devil came against him with, he overcame and he prevailed. Say amen. He overcame sin and the devil. He overcame and prevailed against sickness and disease. When he came into town, blindness had to go. When he came into town, listen, uh, deafness had to go. When he came into town, lameness had to go. When the resurrection showed up, death had to take a hike. Somebody say amen. 
He prevailed over sickness and disease. I'm glad everywhere he came, people came to him for the help that they need. And let me say this. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If you've got a problem, he is the answer. He can prevail today just like he prevailed in that day. He is still powerful. He is still mighty. And he is still the king. Say amen. He prevailed over sin and the devil. He prevailed over sickness and disease. He prevailed over storms and discouragement. The disciples were afraid for their life. They were scared to death in the boat. He steps out on the bow of their problem, on the bow of their situation, on the bow of their stormy seas, on the bow of their life and says, peace be still. And it was calm as the sea of glass. He's prevailed. He's your friend. He's your savior. He's the one that says if he be for us. Why does he have a right to take the book? He won. Satan came against him with everything he had. And he won. Y'all should be a lot happier. He prevailed. He's worthy because he prevailed. He prevailed to claim the book. B, he paid to claim the book. The Bible says he has a right to take the book. What's what's what he says in verse (coughs) 9? And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. Why? And to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. And hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. He paid the price. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Say amen. When Jesus took the book to claim what was rightfully his. Glory broke out. It says, and I beheld. John's trying to, try, he's trying to describe what he's seeing. He said, and I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000s and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and that are in uh, in them heard I say blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four be said, and the four be said, and the four and twenty elders fell down fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. In this worship service, A, we find a posture that is seen. A posture that is seen. There'll be no arrogant people in the presence of Jesus. You don't find people getting in his face throughout the New Testament. You find people falling in his feet. Martha came and got in Jesus' face and said, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died. And Jesus straightened her out. 
He will live again. Well, I know he'll live again at the resurrection. Honey, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I am the resurrection. Mary came and said the same identical thing that her sister did, but she fell at his feet. And according to the word of God, Jesus said, take me to him. Maybe you're not getting what you need from Jesus because you're all up in his face. Maybe we need to get a good, a good dose of reality to realize that we are the creature and he's the creator. That we don't order him around. We don't, we don't command. I've heard people on TV say, I command Jesus. What, really? The Bible says, when he stood up, they fell down. John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. I found out this in the economy of God. The only way to go up is you've got to go down. Sometimes that going down is a forced issue. Do I have a witness? We see a posture that's seen. Luke 7, 37. Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat, she brought the best she had. She brought something very costly. She brought an alabaster box of ointment, stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head. What's significant about that? The Bible says the woman's hairs, her glory. And she's given all her glory to him. She kissed his feet. And anointed them with ointment. What's significant about that? We, we, we have found in America that we just give God our leftovers. When it comes to our time, when it comes to our talent, when it comes to our treasure, we have no concept of His worthiness. We see the praise this year. Thou hast redeemed us unto God. You've made us kings and priests. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Ladies and gentlemen, one day, I know we're not going to get it all right down here. And, and just, just be still for just a second because I'm already in overtime. So I need you to get this real quick. Just be still and look at me just a second. Just a second. We're not going to get it all right here. One day we're going to stand before God in our worship and we're going to see where we have dreadfully fell short. But we need to do our very best. We need to understand you see what made the difference in this woman's life who came to Jesus? She knew who he was. 
And she knew who she was. And it didn't mean you have to be perfect. It just means you got to recognize. Y'all have heard people say, you better recognize. That's what we need to do. If we want our, our worship to change in the house of God, it'll change if we recognize. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Lord Jesus, help us to recognize your worth. Help us to recognize your person. You're worthy because you prevailed. You're worthy because you've redeemed us to God. You're worthy because you made me. You're worthy because you saved me. Help us all leave here doing everything we can to bring somebody this weekend to show them we care. And Lord, we are you are worth it all to who we are. In Jesus' name, we all pray. And all God's people say, praise the Lord. Good night, everybody.